if you're not giving me anything to submit to, we're just all going to like barrel toward like disaster because mm-hmm. if you're not acting the way I believe a man should act, if you, if you want to have those traditional roles, then fine. But then you have to, you have to be the one who has the job. Not saying I don't work, but like you have to fulfill your roles too. I'm not just being submissive. You have to be the dominant, right? But what I think people do is they confuse having proper communication skills with being vulnerable. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Miscellaneous Thoughts, the podcast where we talk about religion, politics, and all that jazz. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about toxic femininity, toxic masculinity, and accountability. And to discuss it, I have a special guest, Carissa. Carissa, can you please tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi, guys. I'm Carissa. I'm a friend of Sharifa's. Um, when we attended Brooklyn College, I spent a semester interning at the Feminist Press. So you can already tell that these topics are really important to me. Toxic masculinity and toxic femininity. I think these are two things that we need to talk about more in the Black community, especially. And I'm just really happy to yeah, be here. thanks for even bringing up the topic to me. I mean, I always love talking to people and like people actually volunteer to like bring topics and I'm always down for it. So thanks for, you know, even contacting me. I appreciate it. Of course. I saw how well your podcast was doing. I hope more people learn about it. I think the topics are really interesting. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right. So maybe we should start with some definitions. Like how sh- how do we define toxic femininity, toxic masculinity? Yeah, um, they're really important. Um, so I actually I broke it down. I started because they get a little complex if we talk about them like together. So I usually just talk about them separately and then we can come as a whole and talk about them. Uh, so I think it's really important to start off with the definition of these two terms. In our generation, we specifically use the word toxic way too much. And I think that's a problem because it kind of blinds people to the actual meaning of these concepts. I think they're super important. Uh, it's so easy to call someone toxic solely because of bad behavior in a relationship or otherwise. For example, a man in a relationship is policing what his girlfriend wears, or maybe a woman is invading her partner's privacy by going through his phone. Those are both instances of poor behavior, or what we might call colloquially as being toxic. But there are, there are like a few nuances between being disrespectful or acting with ill intent than to actually acting within the realm of toxic masculinity and toxic femininity. Um, so when we look at toxic masculinity, uh, not every dictionary has a definition. Sometimes you have to look for it. And I understand that because these are both social and psychological concepts, and it's really hard to hit the nail on the head directly. Um, but if you do a Bing search, you will see toxic masculinity described as a set of attitudes and ways of behaving stereotypically associated with or expected of men, regarded as having a negative impact 
on men and on society as a whole. Uh, we know this is a reliable source. Uh, Bing's dictionary is powered by Oxford, so this is a legit definition. But a more straightforward way of defining toxic masculinity is as a set of harmful beliefs about the way men should behave. Point blank, they're stereotypes. Uh, when we talk about beliefs and stereotypes, we are most definitely talking about society's own viewpoint to how men should behave, however skewered that viewpoint may be. So for an, for example, men shouldn't display too much emotion. We see that all the time. Right. We sh he shouldn't talk about his emotional health or his struggles with mental health, or else he's weak, or that this is womanly. They say he's acting like a little bitch, you know, we hear it all the time in our community. That's familiar to us. Uh, the thing about these stereotypes is both men and women are responsible for perpetuating them. His girlfriend could call him weak for confiding in her. One of his bros could do the same thing. And in the end, you're left with a bunch of stoic men who are unwilling to talk about important things. Mm -hmm. Wait. I want to comment on that because I know I was reading, um, I was telling you about how I was reading a book by Bell Hooks. Um, I think it's called The Will to Change. And there was a part of the book in the beginning when she was talking about how the belief that like toxic masculinity is only really, um, like conveyed or, um, kept by men is not true because even like in single, single households, you know, women are the, um, the head of the household and they're raising sons like they're also kind of doing the same exact thing teaching their children these same toxic masculinity ideas and so it's like it's not only men that are doing it but it's also women that are also contributing to it as well right it's an idea that's ingrained in everybody right and like we have to constantly try to fight it yeah these ideals of hyper masculinity are perpetuated by his older siblings his teachers his parents his friends, his significant others. I I will say though, like I know we're just defining um toxic masculinity versus toxic femininity, and like I've never heard the t the term toxic femininity before in my life, so I just thought that was interesting. Yeah, I know, I know. Uh, that's why I was really uh, happy to talk about it today, because unlike toxic masculinity, you will find a few definitions for toxic masculinity, but for toxic femininity, it's not really there. I don't know why it is. A lot of people argue whether it's a real thing or not. I definitely believe it's a real thing. But, uh, but yeah, so we can definitely like get into that in a minute. Basically, I believe toxic masculinity is a disease, basically a social disease that hurts a person's interpersonal relationship, their relationship with themselves as well as their interpersonal relationship with others. Um, and the symptoms of this disease are, are the, the actions, the inaction, the passive aggression, violence, lying, cheating, or what, whatever have you. The things that you automatically do when you do not believe you are, or you don't believe you're in a safe place to communicate how you feel. And we can definitely go into toxic femininity. As I was saying before, it's not as much talked about, but in my personal experience, it is used as 
a rebuttal uh, to toxic masculinity. If a woman says a man is showing characteristics of toxic masculinity, he might go ahead and say, well, you're being, you're using toxic femininity, you're, you're subscribing to toxic femininity. Which, again, is something that I'm not sure it's completely correct because a lot of times, as, as I said before, people like to conflate toxic behavior or bad behavior with toxic masculinity or toxic femininity. Mm -hmm. We have to remember that these are societal ideals that people can subscribe to. They can be both victims and they can also be um, perpetuators of both these ideals. So if toxic masculinity is telling a man that he is not allowed to emote, to show emotions, that he has to be the breadwinner, and they're putting all these stressors on men, and then on top of it, they're saying, they're telling him that he cannot communicate his feelings, it basically becomes a psychological issue, a, a psychological issue now. Because one of the pillars of emotional intelligence is being able to communicate. Like, from, like, you're already hampering that man from, like, a young age, mm -hmm. right? And it's similar when you talk about toxic femininity. It is society telling women how she should behave as a woman. Um, I, guess, I guess my question is, I feel like, for me, toxic, toxic, toxic masculinity is way more fleshed out than toxic femininity but like i'm wondering how do you really um differentiate between toxic femininity and just like feminine fem feminine ideals um that probably you know like um pushed by a lot of these femininity channels um no yeah you're definitely right so i was doing some research myself because you have to do research you can't just talk but um yeah so i when i went when I went um, to search up toxic femininity, there is no exact definition. The first thing you will see, like the first thing you will see when you look up toxic femininity is a bunch of pictures of crazy women holding knives. <laughs> and that's like the first thing that you see. You already see misogyny at work mm -hmm. here because mm -hmm. as I said before, toxic femininity is always the argument. It's always the rebuttal when women are behaving badly. Like, oh, your toxic femininity is showing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that kind of sounds like, it sounds like, um, almost like a distorted perception of, um, feminism. Like, I know that, like, a lot, not a lot, but there are men who view feminism as being, like, bad, you know, like, women are being too progressive and that the liberation of women helps just led to, I don't know, the demise of humanity, something like that, right? So I'm, when you say like toxic masculine, toxic femininity being kind of like um, a rebuttal to toxic masculinity, I'm thinking that maybe perhaps it comes up way more frequently when it's discussed as like a way of um, trying to like humble women or like make them feel as though they're, they're being too progressive. They need kind of, I guess, regress back to more traditional ways. Oh, yeah, definitely. I definitely believe that sometimes it's just thrown out there to try to make women remember their place or have them have them take accountability for their own actions. But in the same way, I think it's being used incorrectly. So like when we look at 
definitions. I found two. I found two. So psychology Today defines toxic femininity as when a woman works to works to the benefit of others. And in this situation, when they say others, it's most like it's most likely going to be men. When she works to the benefit of others, but to the, but to the detriment of herself. So this is a good start for a definition, but I think we can push the envelope. I went over to a to a website called Men's Group, which I think for a lot of like your male listeners, it might be a good place, a good healthy place to start because I feel like a lot of men are out here looking for safe safe spaces to communicate. And rather than flocking to the male <laughs> podcast, <laughs> this is actually I think this is an actual um this is a great source. So on Men's Group, it says, it has a great article about toxic femininity. Um, it isn't biased. It's, it says it how it is. Uh, it says that toxic femininity, just as toxic masculinity and men's rights movements, toxic masculinity or toxic feminism is a product of a patriarchal system or society. Society expects women to meet their feminine role by dismissing male aggression pushing them to submissive roles, and putting a lot of emphasis on appearance. This results in the development of mental health issues, the inability to pursue positions of power since it is regarded as a man's thing, and the reinforcement of masculine beliefs in the next generation. Um, Furthermore, I think it's important, I think it's most important, um, this part. Traditional feminine qualities include compassion, nurturing, empathy, which can also become toxic when used to undermine others. So that's a lot about like what you were talking about before. Talk so we have we have these traits that are automatically assumed to be womanly. The compassion, the nurturing, the empathy. But when we talk about toxic femininity these attributes, like they were once attributes, now they are being used to hurt other people. And when we say other people, we mean both men and women. So both men and women perpetuate toxic femininity. Like if I'm in a relationship with a man and he tells me that I must submit to him and I agree to it, that's perpetuating toxic femininity just off the top of my head. But as I said before, we are victims and both a lot of us, I'm not saying you and me, but in society, men and women are both pe- perpetuators and victims to uh, both of these um, ideals. Uh, for ex- another example, because toxic me- toxic femininity can be used against women as well, women and women. If I tell my friend that she's fat and men don't like that, that's me being, or that's me subscribing to toxic femininity. Or if I'm expecting large and extravagant gifts from my partner because he's a man, right, that's toxic femininity. So those are just some examples. And even in today's world, I think one of the biggest examples is when it comes to abuse in a relationship. A lot of times society tells us that that women that women cannot be the aggressor in domestic violence cases, right? Mm-hmm. But look at look at um the the um the case with Amber Heard and Johnny Depp, right? Yeah. Uh yeah. 
the only way she was able to get away with her domestic abuse for so long is because of toxic femininity. The world says if a woman hits a man, it is not a big deal. She should just shake it off or else he's a wimp. But I'm sure Amber Heard believes this. That's why she minimizes her actions in court. She's like, oh, it was just a little slap. No, you hit him. If it was the other way around, the case the case would have already been solved and Johnny would have been in jail, right? It's the only reason why this is going on so long, right? Um, society doesn't think women are capable of hurting men and that we can't be the aggressor. And she is now using her standing in society because our patriarchal society has placed women in this role where they cannot they cannot be the aggressor. They cannot be the person who causes harm, allegedly, right? We are the weaker sex. So now she's using that role to her advantage to put this man through your to through so much abuse, emo- emotionally and physically, right? Yeah. So this toxic fem- this is toxic femininity at work. Mm-hmm. Both men and women subscribe to these beliefs, and both men and women are victims to it. Okay. Yeah. Um. I guess the way I'm kind of trying to like really um define the terms based on what you just said is that like toxic femininity and toxic masculinity both kind of i guess um thrive off of patriarchy and the domination of women but that i guess they play out differently because toxic masculinity plays more into like stereotypical gender roles in terms of you know um what it means to be a man what whereby i guess toxic femininity leads more into like the roles of what women should be right but but you kind of talked about something in passing. I want us to go back to it briefly. You talked about submission, and I think that's like something that I talked about very briefly in my podcast in a past episode. And I'm wondering, you know, how much of submission is maybe like um, a reflection of toxic femininity or toxic masculinity, and not just so. Um, a person leaning into more traditional values. Like, I guess I'm still stuck between trying to, like, divide between traditional relationships versus, like, toxic masculinity and toxic femininity. Um, so I think um, it's a case-by-case mm-hmm. basis. I think everybody's personal relationship is their business. If she wants to submit to her man and she feels comfortable in doing that, and she thinks that he can provide for her, then, and she wants to subscribe to the traditional values, that's her. Wonderful for her, wonderful for him. They have a healthy, positive relationship. But if it's, say, more on the side of a domestic abuse situation, he is emotionally abusing her or verbally abusing her, and she is forced into that submissive role, then that's when it becomes a problem. I honestly think if people are doing things, if people are within their relationship and they're acting the way that makes them feel most comfortable and healthy in that relationship, then it's none of our business as, as a society. If no one is being hurt by by her submitting to him, then, right. I feel, I think you were talking about uh, feminist movements. Um a lot of men think that feminism is out to get them. 
Uh, I do not believe that. I identify as an intersectional feminist, which means I'm a feminist, but I also care about problems that have to do with men, the LGBT community, other women of color. You know, it is a, it's not just one issue. All these issues, they come together and they create this system that we live in that hurts more people than just women, you know? So that's what people have to understand. Feminism is progressing. So I know a lot of a lot of men are still traditional. They would prefer that their um, spouse or partner would submit. And I feel like a lot of the problem with that is that for us, specifically Black women, um, we have been forced into a lot of masculine roles especially say if you are the child of immigrants you have like this you are expected to act in a certain way you sometimes you are expected to act as a third parent you're expected to accomplish all these things protect yourself protect your parents protect your siblings right um yeah, especially like even living in Brooklyn, like we we were taught to have like a certain masculinity about us. Walking down the street at night, we cannot we cannot be too friendly with every man that we meet, you know? A lot of times we are just forced into that role. We have to be hard, we have to not show too much emotion. I'm not saying that we have become men, but a lot of times we are forced in that way. It's like it's a survival instinct. Right? So it's difficult for now to ask women of our age of our generation women living now to submit to a man it's extremely difficult especially since this is what we have been brought up on we we didn't depend on men for money we didn't depend on a lot of yeah a lot of us had to work for ourselves you know had to do all these things on our own so now to try to make us do this switch like I think a lot of men have to try to understand where we're coming from. And on top of that, I'm not saying this is all men, but sometimes if you if you're not giving me anything to submit to, we're just all gonna like barrel toward like disaster mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. if you're not acting the way I believe a man should act, if you if you wanna have those traditional roles, then fine. But then you have to you have to be the one who has the job. Not saying I don't work, but like you have to fulfill your roles too. I'm not just being submissive. You have to be the dominant, right? You can't just ask me to submit to someone who is not dominant, who doesn't take care of things. So we're just, I'm just going to let you throw my life away basically, right? So I think it's, it's really, when we talk about like feminism, I think we really just have to listen I'm not saying that all feminists are good feminists. I know a lot of people hide behind that term and do some crazy stuff. I I am like an advocate of looking for those feminists who are who are open to conversation, right? That's the one thing. Never shut yourself down to conversation. I never think I know more than the next person. Even if I don't agree with a man with what a man is saying, I try to listen because all experiences are valid. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So on that note, 
I'm wondering how you feel about this statement, women should be the prize. Women should be the prize. <laughs> I honestly, yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. I don't know, because just just saying that sentence, it sounds a little bit uh, shallow. Women should be the prize. I'm like, eh. It's like, okay, so it sounds like, it sounds like you're, oh, are we talking about in a relationship or in society? In a relationship. Yeah, that makes more sense. So it sounds like in a relationship that women should be, that based on that um, statement, women should be placed on a pedestal just because mm-hmm. we're women. And I don't think that makes a lot of sense. Because as I said before, when you look at things by case by case basis, a lot of women out here are just as bad as the men that we're demonizing. So just so to put her on a pedestal because she's a woman, it's kind of weird. I think you have to look at someone's character before you can do that. So if if we were talking biologically, yes, women are the prize. <laughs> she houses life within her. Her body goes through trauma regularly, and then she bounces back to deal with all the nonsense that awaits her outside. Right? Biologically, yes, but as a person in a relationship. I don't think women should be seen as the prize. I think it's a little shallow. I think to have a healthy relationship, both partners should be valued. I think that's extremely important. If you don't treat your partner as though they are valued, then I don't see what's happening here. I think it's a waste of time. Yeah. When you said that um, it's kind of shallow, I kind of, I, I heard it too. It does sound like we're saying that like women are the obje- objects. They're being kind of almost objectified as like, the thing that needs to be um found as a possession like they need to be like pretty much kept um but in terms of this term in relationships i feel like it has this the most function within traditional relationships where you know women are kind of seen as being more docile and like you know and are kind of um meant to be protected by men and, you know, the assumption that men will deliver by, you know, taking care of what needs to be taken care of. And so in those ways, I kind of see it play out because if women are the prize, then I guess men are the ones that are, like, meant to, like, really treasure women. And that, and that um, I guess, most of the value is placed on women only because women are seen as being weak and need to be protected does that make sense yes i i understand um i think women do need to be protected but they're weak no i don't if we were weak we wouldn't handle all stuff that we have to handle on a daily basis i do think we need to be protected but i still believe that each person in relationship should be valued because I cannot be your docile, submissive wife. And I'm not saying that in a, in a sarcastic way. Some people like to, um, some people like the traditional lifestyle and that's fine with me. I actually wouldn't mind being in that type of relationship if I can trust my man to deliver. But I cannot be that type of woman if I do not value you, if I do not treasure you. So I think it's a two way street. Yeah. yeah. 
if I if I think if, if I if I think you're a worthless man, how am I supposed to be your your docile wife? Like, no, it doesn't make sense. I have to treasure you the same way you treasure me. Okay, so I'm kind of just thinking about this some more, and like I I just remembered. Um, I also hear this whole um statement, also, um like in cisgender relationships between men and women when they're like actually in the dating sphere and you know it's kind of like well what makes this woman with the prize women do not go to the men the men come to them and <laughs> the women are not the ones seeking the male partners the male men, men are seeking the women as partners and so it's kind of like um this dynamic where women are kind of waiting for their partner to find them they're waiting to find someone to like you know get married to or like start a life with and so yeah it's kind of where i'm thinking about it more in terms of dating and relationships and marriage yeah i hear a lot of different perspectives on that um i've heard a lot of men say oh we're tired of making the first Mm. move which i understand if that was me oh oh no i couldn't do it but um but then again, every time I started, like I initiated, like people are scared. They run away, I guess. <laughs> Maybe it's just my personality. Sometimes, sometimes guys are scared, you know? You know, I think that's another thing. Uh, going back to toxic masculinity, like it's as if we expect them not to have human emotions. Like you can be nervous trying to talk to a woman. It's like, you know? But because he's a man, he's not supposed to be nervous. He's supposed to come in with confidence, and that's what that's what that's what that's what um creates this like hyper masculine ideal, right? Like we always complain about how there are men out here who are just way too confident that it becomes arrogant, right? It that's where it comes from. We expect them to be confident, but now when it hurts us, it's a problem. You see how it's yeah, it's a cycle that hurts everybody. We cannot expect them to be superhuman and not have these emotions, right? So honestly, it's different for everybody. I think if you like someone, talk to them. If it's not meant to be, it's not meant to be. Yeah. Women too. We need to, come on. We need to try a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. So let's kind of maybe go back to um our discussion of tax, toxic masculinity, toxic femininity. In terms of causes, what do you think is really the cause of the toxicity between the men and the women, I guess? like, um, I think it's a few things. It's gender roles. Mm-hmm. And it's the patriarchy. And I know a lot of men hate hearing that word, patriarchy. But it is what we live in. If I asked if we lived in a matriarchy, people would laugh at me, right? It's not, it's not the case. We, men rule the world. That's how it is. We are constantly fighting this battle, but that's how it is. Um, and that's a detriment to everybody. Uh, yeah, right now, it is men deciding whether women should have the bodily autonomy, uh, autom- autonomy to, to uh, have abortions, right? So that's, just, that's the perfect example right there. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, it, it all comes from these ideas of how men and women should behave. 
I can't I can't tell you I can't pinpoint the exact time in history, but it it is a societal thing. Yeah, I I feel like it does like maybe it does have value to some people. I think like obviously the the men that are like um performing toxic masculinity still do attract women and the women who are performing toxic femininity still do attract men and so they're still like being seen desirable and attractive to like the opposite sex but i think like at the root of it in terms of being able to change it it's like it's a system you know i think like when we're talking about toxic femininity toxic masculinity it's a system you know like involved within like you know the accumulation of wealth it's it's talking we're talking about desirability politics we're talking about a lot of different things and so to say like you know how are we going to change this i think we have to change a lot of different stuff too like what like our preoccupation around you know just accumulating money and just materialism is also a part of why we have the domination of women and so it's kind of all linked. Yeah, it is all linked. Like, even when you think of our beauty industry, the beauty industry feeds off of women's insecurities. But where did those insecurities come from? The the ideal that women should be thin, women should have lighter skin, women should have thin noses and not kinky hair. That's, as you said, it's like, that is... That is an ideal that was created by white men, but now it affects every type of woman, you know? So, a woman suffering from body dysmorphia or having body-related issues, a bad self-image, that can be, that can be attributed to all the, all the media that we consume about the beauty industry mm-hmm. and that same girl looking down on another woman looking down on herself because of these ideals is practicing toxic femininity but it all started from somewhere and it's like a lot of different um facets right then we just talked about the beauty industry which makes a lot of money based off our insecurities that's also capitalism so it's like it's a network that it serves a lot of people as much as it hurts everyone. Mm-hmm. Okay, so do you have any thoughts on maybe um the femininity channels on YouTube or maybe just the whole idea of like high value men? So I have something to say. It might be a little controversial or unexpected as a woman because I'm supposed to agree with all the feminine channels, right? But there, I think some of these feminine channels are kind of tiptoeing into male podcast territory. Yeah, the way they speak about Mm -hmm. women, I'm not saying every feminine channel. Me, as a feminist, I believe that you should respect other women. That's despite their differences, right? You shouldn't see them as less than because they're different from you. But what I noticed with a lot of feminine channels, 
not all of them, but they will tell a viewer how to how to act and how not to act. Because if you act like this, you are a quality woman, you you are classy, you are you will attract men if you act this way. Which means if I am the complete opposite, I'm a viewer and I I don't subscribe to those um ideals like Maybe I think there was this one. Uh, it was a black channel. Um, don't buy, don't buy weaves longer than your butt. And I'm like, hey, what if I like a long hair? What if I like a a, a long a uh, lace front, uh, a wig, right? Mm-hmm. But now you're automatically discluding a certain type of women, a certain type of woman, right? By saying you need to do this, you're excluding women who are already the opposite, right? That's not building a community. That's not being helpful to all women. Like I, and that's just another example of toxicity. Um, and that's that's only some of them. I feel like a lot of them do garner community amongst women by teaching us about different women in history, like different ways that we can communicate. And how to attract other women who will help us in life become to become quality people. But I think sometimes telling people how they should and should not act is just the recipe for disaster. Yeah. And the male podcast is that? Did you want me to talk about? Go that ahead. Next? Yeah. No. That. Please go ahead. <laughs> yeah. What is what is his name? Kevin uh, Samuels. That's his name, right? Right, deep sigh. Like, what is that? Yeah, here's the thing. I want to say his name. I'm just gonna. What's gonna call him? K. 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 S. There you go. <laughs> you know, like there is kind of like this niche for humble and especially um black women, like trying to make black women not be as proud as they should be um and not kind of to put them in check pretty much make sure they know their place and i think it's sad i think it's really sad because it's coming from black men um and like you know i've heard people say you know like he he says a lot of good things he also calls out men and like i'm not saying that he hasn't said things that maybe are useful but I think the delivery says a lot about who he is as a person, who he was, excuse me, um, as a person. You know, like, I think the way you say things is important. Even if what you're saying might be true, this sort of brutal honesty is harmful. Yeah. I, so I haven't seen a lot of his podcasts. I actually only seen clips of him from TikTok. And what I have seen is him being very dismissive towards women. I don't know how you can have a talk show, podcast, whatever, and not listen to your guests, constantly cut them off and just be disrespectful. I think rejecting new information is like the mark of an ignorant person. And I do not, I don't like to listen to ignorant people because I, if it was, it would be one thing. If he was more open to accepting new information, but totally dismissing people that you invited to your podcast, it's disrespectful and it looks as if you really don't care. 
Like, you brought them there to glorify yourself. Yeah, a lot of the things that he says is, it's just toxic masculinity at its finest. I think he said something about women being emotional creatures and men being sexual so that it's okay for a man to cheat on a woman, but she has to stay home. I haven't seen a lot of male podcasts, to be honest. And if this is what's representing male podcasts, I feel really bad for them because I'm sure that there are some men out there who actually have some good valid points and actually just want to start a conversation. But this man is making all of them look bad. Yeah, because it's just. No, it's dysfunctional and it's disrespectful. He's not trying to have conversations. He's doing it for himself to make himself look good by himself on the back this is a true symptom of toxic masculinity as i said one of the one of the causes of toxic masculinity is, is a man not being able to express himself to communicate but how what's a better way to communicate than to grab a microphone and start spewing nonsense right like now they're forced now we're forced to hear him yeah just like how they used to tell us like in school like oh you want the attention because you don't get it at home same thing and like one thing i was also thinking about too um are the women that would call on and like once again it's just it felt very sad because you know after he had gained quite a lot of popularity he had kind of like this um reputation in many circles and so you kind of knew calling to show that he might humiliate you even though he was probably trying to you know he would say he's trying to tell you the truth you know whatever that means but like you know that like by calling in as a black woman you might be humiliated you might be embarrassed by him and his audience and i couldn't help thinking to myself like why call in like you know like i think wrapped in that is like some sort of like um need for validation like i want to be the exception you know i want to be the one that kevin samuel samuels um praises on his show all of the other women before me have been you know humiliated because they weren't good enough but i might be the one to really you know change his mind kind of like i guess what people would say um a pick me and so i just thought about that and made me just feel really sad because it's like you're kind of subjecting yourself to, like, this type of abuse. Uh, this pick-me idea, I think, is probably another facet of toxic femininity. Because a lot of times, without even knowing it, women crave male validation. I see it in myself. I see it in my friends. I see it. It's just something that's just so embedded in us. Yeah. We have to wear this to look nice because there might be men there or these are the pictures of the women that we have to look like because it's what men want or we have to be agreeable because we want this man to like us you know we care about their opinions so much we value them above our own opinion above the opinion of our friends a lot of times this is the reason why a lot of girls uh, stay in bad relationships I don't know it's something psychological I am not a I'm not a psychologist. I can't tell you the reason for it, but it's something I would like to look into. It's a very real thing. We hurt ourselves. We hurt others for male validation. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I had a comment also um, when we were talking about femininity channels. It's because I have mixed feelings about them, you know? I, I think, like, they do have value. I, I think... But, like, I think they're obviously... Um, they're trying to target a certain demographic. And those that demographic is usually women, single women, who want to get married, who want to be the prize in a relationship, who want to be literally, um, not literally, but they, they want to kind of take on more traditional roles in relationships. That's kind of like their their target target audience. And I think there is kind of like some sort of overlap between the men who have these podcasts and talk to other men about being, you know, like just the alpha about, you know, who kind of talk about toxic masculinity in a very easy to digest way. And like, when you think about kind of how like they're almost like um, funneling these people into the same space, like they're linking the woman that you know that desire to perform a certain type of femininity to be linked up to the men that want to be alpha and want to you know wield their masculine masculine power over women to kind of be partnered up and so yeah that's kind of interesting yeah i don't think masculinity or femininity is inherently bad yeah it's only when it's only when you use it to hurt others or use it in a way that it hurts yourself so if women want that traditional role if men want that traditional role then go ahead go for it become that person where you can fit that role but don't try to force it on people when especially you are not prepared to take on that responsibility. Yeah. Right. Don't try to, yeah, you cannot try to make, if I am a woman looking for a high value man, I am looking for someone to be dominant in our relationship. I cannot force that persona onto any random man I, I meet, you know? Both parties have to be prepared to take on that role because it's a responsibility. That's one thing that that's a it's a it's a good thing that might come from either of these channels the the I'm gonna say the healthy male podcast and the healthy um feminine uh talk spaces. Yeah, I think the point is just to kind of find your people, like find the person that you think really fits what you want instead of trying to more people into what you want them to be. I think as black women, it's comforting to try to fall back into the traditional roles. Because as I was saying before, we have been forced a lot of times to enter that um, masculinity. Forced because of um, where we live, how we're brought up, you know, our circumstance, right? So I think it might be a relief to a lot of black women to fall back into those traditional roles. I remember going to get my nails done one time. And at that point in my life, I was 
I was very, very pro-feminist, like very pro-women can do whatever they want. Women are strong, you know. I wasn't disrespectful towards men, but I was just very, I was feeling very empowered in my um, womanhood. But I went to go meet with my nail tech and and we were having a conversation and I told her about this woman I worked with, how she she cleaned up, she, she did like a lot of cleaning at our job. And I told her, wow, she's really good at that. And she's like, yeah, I do that at home. But my husband hates that. She, My husband thinks that I'm being manly by doing all these things, by doing all this, this heavy lifting and stuff. And I was like, I told it to my nail tech. I'm like, men don't want us to do things. Like, men don't want us to be independent. And then my, she kind of she kind of changed my perspective. She told me, the nail tech, she told me that when she was younger, she was forced into, like, a lot of masculine spaces. She told me that her youth and growing up in the hood had robbed her of her femininity. And now, now, as I was telling her the story about the girl who I worked with, she told me about her boyfriend who does a lot of the heavy lifting um, in their relationship. And she takes more of the docile role, the more traditional role, and how they're very happy with this. Because you see how she was brought up, this is what is healthy for her now. So it's different for every person. That's and that kind of opened my eyes. I never thought that you can be an empowered woman by also taking the back seat, letting a man do the driving, or taking the passenger seat and let letting the man do the driving. It really opened my eyes, and that's why I'm not opposed to it. I don't think that it's a bad thing. I, and I think a lot of women, if I'm speaking, if I can speak on behalf of other women, I don't think that we all think it's a bad idea that there are no women out there who want to submit to their men anymore. I'm, it's the real question is whether there are men out there who are deserving of this, right? That's really the only question. That's we're looking for the men who we feel safe taking the passenger seat with. Yeah. yeah. I think like, um, the real empowerment comes in knowing that like I have a choice. Like I'm not just forced into like taking on a certain role, but I can like choose to like play which role. I want to choose, you know, if I want to be more independent, I can find a partner that want, that's willing to accept my independence and not try to like, you know, put me down or belittle me because I'm maybe a more, maybe less, less feminine than they want me to be. And if I want to be more, you know, um, I guess, take a, a more passive role. I can find a partner who's willing to allow me to just kind of, I guess, rest in my femininity. And so I think that's kind of where the empowerment comes in, like where there's like just the freedom to choose which role you want to take on. Yeah, that's one thing. I think one thing that we do need to stop doing Mm -hmm. is being at each other's throats. I feel like if I can just talk about black women and black men for a second, I feel like we're always at each other's throats about how he didn't do this or she's doing that. I feel like we need to take a step back, look at the person in the mirror and see how we contributed to how things are. Because as I keep saying, and as I will keep saying, toxic masculinity and toxic femininity are products of society. And what makes up society? Men and women. We're all victims and we are all the reason why it exists, right? I'm not pointing to every individual man like, oh, this is, you're the problem. 
But collectively, this is something that we um, partake in. So we need to be able to take that accountability, say that I'm not completely innocent, and see how we can fix that. I think we do need to communicate more. Communication is a big topic, especially in the Black community. When we talk about Black men and our relationships to them, a lot of women want their men to be more expressive. And I agree with that. I agree with that. And I think the counter argument is that a lot of men do not want to be vulnerable, which is Mm -hmm. totally understandable. Because if you ask any women, we don't want to be vulnerable either. It's like, I think there's this idea that that women are just very open. They can share their emotions. Not all of us. Like we we don't we not all of us because as I said, we've a lot of us have been put into those roles of masculinity. Not all of us want to share all our secrets, be the most vulnerable person. It it really just depends on the relationship, right? But I, what I think people do is they confuse having proper communication skills with being vulnerable. I can talk to you right now and not tell you my life story. I can tell you, Sharifa, I need this from you. Sharifa, can you do this for me? This is how this is how I felt and did that. Can you stop doing that? Simple. You don't have to divulge into everything, you know? And honestly, I think it's healthier that way. Because a lot of times our significant other isn't always our most safest space. We're not we're not all psychologists, you know? It's not always the most ideal thing to just talk to your significant other because because that person isn't your therapist. Yeah, I think people need to partake in healthier behaviors. Take a step back, meditate, find that one person you could talk to. If you're not into therapy, find that one person you could trust. Talk about it. Write about it. Think about it. Meditate on it. Recalibrate. Allow the person to recalibrate and then come back and assess the issue. I think this is something that we need to. This is a great part of emotional intelligence that a lot of us lack, not just men. I've seen women do it too. We're just so quick to try to solve the problem right here and right then. Try to force an explanation out of the next person. It's not really healthy. We need to all step back, think about it, see how we're hurting the other person. See, um, think about how they might be hurting us and then solve the issue in a productive way. You don't always have to be the most vulnerable person. Uh, your significant other is not always going to be the person you can be vulnerable with. Find that healthy, safe space, use it, and come back a better person. Right? I'm not sure where I heard this, but I know there was this podcast I was listening to and it was talking about just kind of selective vulnerability and kind of being able to know like when to be vulnerable with people and who to be vulnerable with. And like I find myself at least that like I tend to be more open than vulnerable. Like I will talk about whatever, like almost anything. I have opinions on a lot of different stuff and I will probably share it with you if you ask me. But in terms of just being vulnerable with you, you know, if I don't know you, why would I be vulnerable with you? Like, I have to actually know you and know that, like, you'll be receptive to my vulnerability and that you won't, like, you know, treat, treat me a different way 
because I've opened up to you in this in this way. And so I think vulnerability when used with the right people are help is helpful. But I think vulnerability used with people who aren't willing or receptive of that vulnerability can just really backfire. And I guess going back to accountability for a second, I think when I hear it, I'm kind of automatically put on the defense because I feel like I have heard it a lot of times used against a woman, especially like black women. You know, when something comes up, it's like, oh, black women need to be accountable. We need to hold them accountable by being brutally honest you know they need to know that they are average at best right now like this is how we are helping them and i i feel like this accountability sometimes like it's weaponized as a way of kind of like i said pushing people into their spaces and kind of trying to control them make sure they stay humble and so i guess i appreciate it being discussed in a way wider way and not just kind of being discussed as a way to kind of humble people or just remind them of like the place that they need to be in. What I think is, as I said, people portray habits of toxic masculinity because they are a victim to to toxic masculinity. And hurt people hurt people. I'm pretty sure when these men who are now bad-mouthing black women were younger, they didn't have this these ideas when they were a little boy. Mm-hmm. Something It was something that was bestowed upon them after being hurt multiple times. That's the only thing I... That's the only way I can see it as an empathetic human being. But at the end of the day, some people are reluctant to change people will be cruel people will be will try to resist receiving new information and at the end of the day you you can't help that you have to find the communities of people who are willing to have the conversation open-minded people that's the only way things will change because you can't see my perspective unless you listen to me all right and if you think I'm the aggressor, we I can't change unless I listen to you or you listen to, maybe I think I'm the victim and you think I'm the aggressor. We'll never know. We'll just be hating each other, right? If we never spoke, if we never speak about it. And so many things will open up. Doors will open if we just listen to each other. I've also had like um, the accountability thrown in my face also, like through social media. Like black women have to be held more accountable, and we do, mm-hmm. we do. But to use that as a rebuttal for every instance, I think there's a lot of angry men out there because I had written something on in the comment section of TikTok, and it was the most humblest thing I think I've ever written. It was a guy that the TikTok was about a man who was struggling with mental health. And in the, it wasn't controversial at all what I said. I said that men and women are both 
perpetuators of toxic masculinity. And what I believe happens, a lot of people didn't understand the actual meaning of toxic masculinity and saw it as me saying that men are the problem, right? But this is not what I was trying to say. When I talk about toxic masculinity, I'm talking about the idea that society has created. It's more complicated than just me blaming men because women are are at fault too. Society and all its systems are also Mm -hmm. at fault. These are ideas that we have placed on men. So, yeah, I was hit back with a lot of women, black women should be accountable. And yeah, this is true. But why use it as, why use that statement as, as a way to start a fight? Because it shouldn't be used that way. I think both black women and black men should be held accountable for their actions. But why use it as something, as an aggressive statement? And I think it goes back to, um, Especially for people who didn't know me, like complete strangers, like I don't know, I could be a they could I could be a saint for all they know, they don't know me. But the thing is, I'm not, I'm not. But, but um, yes, uh, it goes back to what you were saying, uh, brutal honesty. Like, why be brutal when when you're brutal, people stop listening. That's why it is. That's why emotional intelligence is so important because you can get so much more done when you come from a calm state of mind. If you are yelling at someone, if you're being aggressive, they're not going to listen to you. They're going to go into mm-hmm. fight or flight. If you can't get anything productive done, you don't have to be brutal. Just be honest, right? And be and have open ears. Be willing to listen. I think a lot of our problems would be simply solved if we were just open to listen to the other side and open to change. Because I feel like a lot of, though though I feel for a lot of men who are who are victims of toxic masculinity because they are, I feel I feel that that doesn't like absolve them from their own from their own habits and behaviors that put down women. Because how are you? fighting on the behalf of men and then putting down women in the same breath as if we don't all face the societal struggles especially in the black community we should be fighting this together but instead we're picking each other apart it doesn't make any sense it's not productive at all because when you think about toxic masculinity and toxic femininity they are two different sides of the same coin it is society telling human beings how they should act and the repercussions of people acting this way or failing to act that way or using these ideals in a negative manner, right? So we basically all face the same struggles. The only difference is our our sex, our gender, right? So it, just, it doesn't make much sense to me to uplift men or uplift women and then put down the other sex in the same breath. So that's why, that's why I cannot get, oh, there's like men's activists, men's rights activists out there. And then there are feminists out there who also don't know what they're talking about. It's like, it feels like a lot of bickering, a lot of children coming for each other's throats when there are no true facts, there are no true conversations. And it's just pointless. Yeah, and that's another thing. Uh, 
I wouldn't say men's rights goes hand in hand with the podcast, the male podcast we had been seeing. But I remember watching some YouTube video. Uh, it was a conversation between, I think, feminists and men's rights activists. And I think, I think it's just really sad because I think, I'm not sure, I don't know how men's rights came about, but it seems to me, like, don't quote me, I haven't done my research on this, but it seems to me that men's rights, the the movement has come, has sprouted after, um, as a retaliation to feminism or aggressive feminism, right? And I'm not saying that feminism doesn't have its flaws, because it does. And there are a lot of people out there perpetuating a type of feminism that I don't subscribe to, mm-hmm. right? But I think men's rights move, the men's rights movement came after as a rebuttal. And I think a lot one of one of uh, one of the topics that always got me when watching a men's rights video versus feminism is the question of. If feminism is for everybody, why is it called feminism? Which really does stick with me. It's it's a it's a valid question, right? But I see questions like this be be answered with such you have when 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 you're talking to people, you have to understand where they're coming from. You cannot just you can't reply with this brutality. You can't be that aggressive because at the end of the day, nobody would start a movement if they weren't passionate about something if it wasn't actually something that actually bothered them um so yeah i think me personally i do believe feminism is for everybody it's for the benefit of everyone but what i also believe is when you start a movement you talk about the thing that is the core the center the thing that needs the most help i don't know what other what better way to say this but to make the world a better world for women is to make the world a better world for everybody. So in in that way, I understand why it's called feminism. Um, and the thing is, I think I would have more respect for men's rights activists if they had if they had used it used their movement as a way of speaking their own struggles rather than a direct like assault on feminism. Uh, to me, it just seems like like where else have we seen like under 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 my undermining one movement for the benefit of another? It just reminds me very ironically of Black Lives Matter versus All Lives Matter, right? Because in regular conversation, if I said All Lives Matter, you would agree with me, right? But now you've made it a thing where it's used specifically to attack Black people. And that's how I feel about men's rights activists. I'm not saying that men don't deserve certain things or they're not they're not deprived of certain things in life. I'm not saying that, but you cannot fight for one thing and then bring down somebody else, right? Yeah, that's how I feel about it. One thing that I read somewhere was that um you can tell a lot about someone's character by seeing how they treat people 
that aren't their preferences. When you don't desire someone, you treat someone so much more different than when you actually do desire them. And when you talk about the brutal honesty that sometimes we see in these male podcasts, um, if the woman that they were speaking of, they actually desire them, they would not speak about them that way. And it's it's just really pathetic that you have to desire someone to treat them like a human being. But I think that's what it comes from. I think a lot of for a lot of people, it's like you know because I don't have an interest in you, I don't need to respect you. So yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, I want to. I, I want to kind of probably do some more research on the men, male activists or men rights, because um, I feel like I've haven't really thought much about it, and just kind of hearing you talk about how it kind of um, erupted from opposition to feminism is really interesting. It's really frustrating too because I kind of understand where the opposition comes from. There are people. There are women out there doing horrible things in the name of feminism just like there are people who do horrible things in the name of christianity the people who do horrible things in the name of i don't know being a conservative people do whatever they want and then slap whatever title they want on top of it and it makes everybody in the group look bad so i understand where it's coming from but what i always urge people is to do your research Mm -hmm. There are feminists out there and there are feminist organizations that are doing so much for people who aren't just women, for men, for LGBT, for people of color. So I'm always going to urge people, before you get angry at a certain group of people, to always do your research. You know, and there's always going to be, because as a society, we always crave the negative press, negative information. That's always going to be the first thing that you see. Right, but you have to do your own research. Look into these movements, look into these organizations and see for yourself what kind of people you are or aren't supporting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's a lot of misinformation that really creates these like anti movements. Yeah, a lot of white people think that Black Lives Matter is just trying to have black people dominate the world. If I if, that, if, that, if I was white and that's what I was taught, I would I would I would be out there all lives matter, right? Like I would be scared. It's because of the misinformation and the reluctance to receive new information, mm-hmm. right? So yeah, you have to be open. That's the only way. You have to be open. Do your research. Open the conversation. Open to new information. Listen. Don't be brutally honest. Just be honest. Because as I said, if people think you're going to attack them, they're going to go on the defensive and nothing productive will happen. If you need a breather and the topic is making you emotional, take a breather, go meditate and come back. I think it's just a level of respect that we all deserve from each other. You know, and a lot of people are not willing to do that. People just want to be right so bad. I'd rather be the smart one. I don't have to be right. Just give me all the information so I know how to move about this life. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd rather have good information and be wrong. So I can come back later 
and know what I'm talking about. Yeah. All right, Carissa, any last thoughts? Girl, I think I'm all dried up. I don't got anything left in me. Girl, I think I hit every point that I wanted to make. Yeah. I do think these are great topics. Toxic femininity does exist. It does exist, and it hurts everybody. And I was so excited to talk about it today. It's women hurting women, women hurting men, using toxic femininity to hurt men. It's and because the world thinks that women cannot be aggressors, women get away with it all the time. With, with abuse, with sexual abuse, all of it. And that's something I need to stop. Right? Yeah. And we all need to be accountable for everything. Look at yourself before you point fingers. Absolutely. Okay, so where can we find you? Do you have an IG you can follow? Anything that we can support you on? Girl, I don't know. Maybe we'll put it in the description for mm-hmm. the for the for this podcast episode. I'm not sure what's going on with my social media right now. I'm on and off. You know, sometimes it's not that best for the mental. Yeah. Right? So maybe you'll find me someday. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening. Of course. Um, I'll link all of her contact info um, in the description or the show notes, rather. Um, but thank you for coming on and talking to us. This is a really interesting conversation. We gotta have you back. You can't just have you on. Yes, I love I love talking with you. It's so ah, refreshing, relieving. I have so much on my chest sometimes, and it's like, where do I put all this energy? So I'm so happy to have been here. Thank you, Sharifa. I love what you're doing, and I wish you the best of luck. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Don't forget to follow. And subscribe to this podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And I'll see you guys next time. Bye.